morning, everyone. So I am aware that there is a big chunk of our church today that went camping this weekend, and they missed out because everyone is getting a prize today. Look under your seats. I'm just kidding. This, this is an Oprah. Um, Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug asked uh, all the pastoral staff to take a to take a week uh, in August to preach about and. Uh, I have been in prayer for a long time for this message, um, especially because I did not know where I was going with it for a long time and just seeking the Lord and finally, uh, you know, uh, had some direction as I was studying. And uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about today's word. Uh, the title of today's message is, There's Wisdom in Perspective. There's Wisdom in Perspective. By show of hands, really quick. Have you ever met somebody who it takes a lot to stress them out? Somebody who's just always relaxed. Uh, they could be in the craziest of situations, and you would not be able to tell by the expression on, the, on their face or even when you spoke to them. Have you ever met somebody like that? Uh, I am like one of those people, and it annoys my wife. Uh, it annoys my wife a lot. Uh, when we were preparing to move from Staten Island to Syracuse, we had a month to pack everything up. Uh, we, we came for... Um, this was two years ago. We came for, uh, what was it, a network conference. I got ordained. It was a great time. And that's when I met Pastor Doug, wherever he's sitting. And uh, I interviewed with him and, his, uh, and him and his wife. We went to Cracker Barrel. Thank God for Cracker Barrel. It is a beautiful place. And it's one of those places that I prayed, Lord, don't affect, don't touch Cracker Barrel, please. Protect it. But uh, we met at Cracker Barrel. We got to sa- uh, sit down and just get to know one another. Um, and he invited my wife and I to come back up two weeks later to uh, meet the board and to talk with him further, uh, in which we were hired. And so that was the end of May. Uh, July 7th, 2019, I preached all three services at my last church in which I went home that afternoon, changed my clothes, and immediately had to just pack everything into the moving truck. So it was preach three services. That's six hours of church right there go home and pack up our entire moving truck with a few close friends. Uh, we, only let, we only left our mattress in the apartment so that we could have somewhere to sleep that night, but as soon as we woke up the next day, July 8th, uh, we packed that up in the moving truck and we drove up here. That Sunday was my first Sunday, but immediately after church, I, bro- uh, I drove back to Staten Island to finish my responsibilities there and help lead a mission trip that had been planned throughout the year. A week later, I get back and I jump right into the rest of VBS that was happening here at the church. Uh, And then uh, that Sunday, I believe it was, we left, we flew out to Orlando for National uh, Fine Arts for a week. It was a lot. It was a lot. To say I hit the road running is an understatement. And Rach was stressed out by everything just because she's, she's a planner. And she doesn't focus on one task at a time, but she sees the overall of everything that needs to happen so that everything is successful. Whereas guys, we all know how guys are. We have boxes. And we don't like these boxes to touch. And so when I was thinking about the missions trip, I wasn't thinking about VBS. And when I was at VBS, I wasn't thinking about Orlando. But rather, as soon as I checked something off, all right, now my mind can transition to whatever is next. And so I looked at everything that I had uh, that was coming to me in a month and I just said, bring it on. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. There's something that you have to know about me. I found my life's motto when I was a kid watching a Disney movie. How many of you have seen The Lion King? Lion King is my favorite Disney movie, and I'm just going to leave that comment there. 
Uh, but my, my, my life's motto, I discovered it when I was a kid and, and watching that movie, and it's Hakuna Matata, which means no worries. So uh, if you're wondering, I am a type B person to a T, and us type B people desperately need type A people in our lives to keep us organized, which is why, uh, well, it's not the only reason why, but I am married to a type A person. But today, today I can tell you, looking back at that busy start, and I can tell you that I had peace throughout the entire time I was going through the craziness of everything that comes with transition because I knew that God was the one leading us. And God being the one leading us also gave me the peace and the strength to be able to endure those crazy times and just be excited about it. Um, I literally knew I was walking into a crazy three weeks, but I could not be more excited to do so again because I knew that Jesus was with me and he was the one taking the lead. So it takes a lot to stress me out. Uh, and that, is, uh, that, has, that has to do a lot with how I grew up and God just using my testimony and my circumstances growing up uh, to really shape who I am today. And it's something that I didn't know that God was doing at the time, but now looking back, in, at my life when I was growing up as a teenager and stuff, everything that I went through, God intentionally used to build me. He intentionally used to teach me lessons uh, that uh, I, I now hold today and I'm able to uh, teach my son and, and my family uh, without having to endure those things. That's called wisdom. That's called being able to learn from the experiences of others, and uh, which is why for anybody who is under the age of 18 in this room, when, you know, when, when an older person tells you, hey, listen to this because I really need you to understand this concept, heed to that advice because they're pouring into your life from their own past experiences and lessons that they, they've learned. That is called wisdom. So again, it takes a lot to stress me out, but I, I've also met people like this, and I've met people like this who have... Uh, who have this just ability to just be able to be peaceful in the craziest of circumstances, even more so than me. A good friend of mine who was my age, uh, he, I, I went to school with him, to college with him. Um, shortly after graduation, he was diagnosed with a severe and rare form of aggressive cancer. It only took a few months for that cancer to take him into his eternal reward. But I read a post from his father talking about a conversation that he had with his grandfather that shook me to my core and still inspires faith in my heart today. He was talking about his situation just back and forth with his grandfather. And uh, he was talking, he began talking about all the plans that he had for his life. That if it was God's will for him to be physically and miraculously healed, he had, he had all these great plans for his own life, and, and he, you know, he had a girlfriend at the time in which he, he told his grandfather, you know, I think this is the person that I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life. That if God is the one who wants to heal me through all this, and it's his plan, it's his will for him to heal me, I am so excited about that aspect. I'm so excited about what God is doing in ministry, and he just was so excited. But after sharing all of his plans, he, he told his grandfather, but if that's, not, if that's not what God has for me, it's okay, and I'm okay with that, because I know where my hope lies, and I know where I'm going when my time on this earth is done. And reading that from the perspective of someone who had stage four cancer, and that just perspective, again, young, super young, 21, 22 years old, and just reading that, again, shook me to my very core. The perspective that I'm talking about today is the fact that Jesus is always with us. 
And that should bring us comfort no matter what season of life you may find yourself. Today I'm going to be reading out of Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn there, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And it says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. Make a mental note of that. We're going to come back to that. But let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, uh, they, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said, uh, and, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this? Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. So to give you a little bit of a context as to where we are in this passage of Scripture, Jesus had just finished teaching and ministering to the multitudes that really followed him everywhere that he went so that they could hear him speak and also uh, see the signs and wonders that he had been performing. He tells his disciples, let us go to the other side, uh, again, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So uh, they begin to just cross the Sea of Galilee. And out of nowhere, a storm hits, which was common around that area because of the Sea of Galilee. We know nothing about uh, lake effect winds or, you know, anything like that here, right? Uh, I discovered what lake effect weather was uh, this past winter when I was driving back uh, from the church van with Pastor Jeff. And uh, I, I get a text from uh, one of my friends who's a youth pastor uh, in, in uh, the northern part of Syracuse. And he was like, hey, are you guys having youth group tonight? And I literally, I kid you not, I texted him and I said, why is it supposed to snow? The moment I pressed send, whoosh, and I was like, did I just do that? <laughs> did I just summon a storm with just pressing send of a text message? And so I repented that day. Um, but I discovered what, what, what band effect snow was. I, it was literally, it was the craziest and scariest thing to experience for the first time because it was clear blue skies with a wall of white in front of us. And the moment we entered it, it did not stop snowing. Uh, so needless to say, we did not have uh, remnant that night. Uh, it was canceled because it didn't stop snowing until like midnight. Um, but yeah, I, I discovered what lake effect storm, uh, lake effect weather rather is. Um, and so in the context of this story, they were in the middle of a boat when a storm arose. Has anyone ever been on a boat in the rain or in the middle of a storm? A couple of people. Great. Uh, so I, I grew up, I grew up in New England. I grew up in Massachusetts. And one of my favorite pastimes in Massachusetts was to go deep sea fishing. Uh, I would go all the time, and it was a weird transition moving up here because I needed to put away my 150-pound test rods and get a couple, like, 10-pound things or learn what it is to do uh, freshwater fishing. And so all that stuff is just hiding somewhere for whenever I go on vacation and visit a coast again. Um, but uh, there, I, I specifically remember one weekend where I went fishing, and this was like a 10-hour fishing trip. And maybe seven hours into the trip, it gets dark. And we are, mind you, we are like... 30, 40 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. So we are out there. 
and this storm hits, and I mean, it was the craziest of situations, whereas you could be on a lake and the storm hits, and you know, it gets pretty choppy, it gets pretty rough out there, but there's a difference when you can see the waves above the boat. And I, I don't know about you, but it, that's, that kind of situation will make any sinner turn to Jesus. It'll make any person just begin cry out and just say, Lord, I know I've been bad. I know I've done messed up a few times this week, Jesus. But if you get me back to shore, I promise you, I will stop, knock it off, and serve you the rest of my life. So it was one of those storms. Uh, it, was, it was pretty scary. I think I was like 16 at the time. Uh, and it was just horrifying. And, and we got back to the, to the shore, and I kid you not, I had never been more grateful for the fact that I can step on land and be safe. Um, but uh, the disciples look over at Jesus in the middle of the storm, and what is Jesus doing? He is sleeping. Jesus is napping on the boat in the middle of the storm, and the whole reason that I am preaching out of this passage today was to point out the fact that Jesus took a nap, therefore naps are of God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The next time someone tells you, what would Jesus do? Say, a nap is in the realm of possibilities. Just saying. Just kidding, kind of. But here we are, Jesus is asleep, and I can only imagine what was running through the minds of the disciples. The storm had to be great for the disciples to be in fear for their lives because, mind you, some of these disciples were fishermen. Some of these disciples lived their lives on a boat and were very comfortable in a boat. Otherwise, they would not be fishermen. So for all the disciples to be fearful of the fact that they were perishing, they were in fear for their lives, communicates to us how big this storm actually was. The disciples are in fear for their lives, and at this point in time, they did not understand the full revelation of why Jesus was on this earth and who exactly he, he was and is. They knew that he was full of wisdom, could perform signs and wonders, and that wherever he went, they wanted to follow. They, at that time, didn't know what we know today. At that time, they did not know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is our Redeemer, that he is the Lamb of God, that Jesus was and is God. Today we know this and have access to this information and the revelation about Jesus that they did not have again at that point in time. So with that revelation of Jesus in mind, I say that what you focus on will determine a lot of things within you. Which leads me to my first point. So in other words, what you feed grows. What you feed grows. Essentially, what, what you give attention to will be the thing that grows and will have the greater influence in your daily life. In the context of what I'm talking about, the perspective that you feed or give attention to the most will have the greater influence in your life. And let me explain. In this situation, the disciples were focused on the storm or the current situation that they, that they found themselves in. So by doing so, they were filled with great fear. They were in a panic. Jesus is sleeping at, at, the, at, the, at the stern of the boat and we're over here, you know, working the sails and, you know, just trying to keep the boat afloat and maybe some people had buckets dumping water out. Like, I, I'm very visual, so when I read things like this, I literally have like a movie playing in my head. Maybe it's because I watch too many movies, but uh, I, I, literally, I literally just envision what this actually looked like. And when your focus is solely on a storm or an obstacle or a tough situation in life, it causes the greater influence in your life 
to be fear. Anxiety, distress, panic, obsession over the what-ifs. Uh, what-ifs are questions that people will ask in which there could be a thousand what-ifs to a certain situation that will cause you to sit there frozen in fear because of something that could potentially happen but not, has not happened, so therefore it's not a reality but a potential reality. When I was a kid, I had a crippling fear of the dark. Uh, crippling fear of the dark. And it was something that most kids got over sooner than I did. I mean, I kid you not, crippling fear of the dark. And this fear caused my mind to be overwhelmed with the what ifs when I was in a dark room or something like that. Um, and so growing up, uh, I, I had a bunch of lizards and stuff like that. Like I was, I was big into all that. When my family moved from Puerto Rico to uh, the US, uh, this was back in the days when airport security was not really all that good. My mom was able to sneak an iguana through security that, had, that I had caught that was about this big. Uh, this, this was back in the 90s. It was about this big. And I had that thing for so long that by the time it died, it stretched over my shoulders. It was huge. And, uh, but one of my excuses for uh, having reptiles and all sorts of cool things in my room, one, because they're awesome, but two, because I was afraid of the dark. Therefore, because I was afraid of the dark, it needed a light on at all times. Therefore, the light lit up the dark room and, you know, I didn't have to sleep in the dark. And so it was a, it was a cool thing. Uh, or rather, I thought I was being smart. Um, so the disciples were focused on the thing that was causing them great panic and caused them great fear. The other perspective that they could have maintained was the fact that Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus was in the boat that all was going to be okay because Jesus was with them. Also now coming back to them, back to this rather, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side, not let us go midway, face a storm and die. But again, at that point, they did not know what we know today. So knowing what we know today when, when we who know Jesus, and I'm not talking about knowing of but when we who know Jesus, when we who, we who really know him, when we face a storm, we have two choices whenever we're in a difficult season of life. We can, like the disciples at that very moment, focus on what's in front of us. Focus on the thing that is causing worry, fear, anxiety, and, asking us, and causing us to be frozen with all the what-ifs. Or we can focus on the fact that Jesus is in the boat, a.k.a. Jesus is with us. He's with us at all times. I think Pastor Jeff said it last week that uh, he, he mentioned it multiple times that Jesus is with us at all times. His presence doesn't wait in this building for you to return every Sunday, but goes with you everywhere that you go. But I made a statement just now that there's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. I know of Great people, great celebrities, or great athletes like, you know, I, I love the New York Giants. Any New York Giants fans here? I see a Green Bay Packers shirt out there. So that's where my mind went, football. Uh, I love the New York Giants. One of my favorite New York Giants of all time was Victor Cruz because he was a Puerto Rican dude, and every time he scored a touchdown, he did a salsa dance in the end zone, and it was so awesome. Um, and I, uh, I absolutely, absolutely loved uh, watching Victor Cruz score a touchdown. I know of Victor Cruz. I know the fact that he's from New Jersey. He's, a, he's from a part of New Jersey that you don't want to be from. <laughs> he's from a part of New Jersey that is very, very rough. 
I knew that he grew up in that situation. I knew that he basically had one shot in the preseason to make a name for himself or else he was going to be one of the first to get cut. And he made a pretty big name for himself because he stayed to play for the New York Giants for several years. Um, I know of him, but I don't know him. I don't know, I don't know him personally. And the biggest difference between knowing of and knowing is a relationship. I don't have a relationship with Victor Cruz, although God, you know, if you have it in the books, at some point in my life, that would be awesome. Let me bring that man to church. But I know of people like Pastor Doug. I know Pastor Jeff. I know many people in this room because I have a relationship with you and I've spent time with you and have gotten to know you. So again, the biggest difference between knowing of and knowing is relationship. So the, so the people who know need to know that Jesus is with us at all times. It's a promise that's given to us. When I played football in high school, I was a defensive end. I was a defensive end and I was a tight end. And uh, I, I would, if you don't know football, spark notes of what those positions are. Tight ends are big dudes who can either be a lineman or go out for a, for a pass and catch the ball and be a truck going down the field. Defensive ends are the ones on defense who are on the ends of the line whose main job is to contain. Meaning, if it's a run play, it cannot get to the other side, uh, to get to the outside or anything. It has to go up the middle so that the chances of the running back being tackled are greater by another lineman. Um, and so I was a defensive end and a tight end. And in high school, you know, as a tight end, I scored a few touchdowns and that was great and fun. But defensive end was my favorite position. Why? Because if I had an opportunity to go after that quarterback and just make him wish that he did not step on that field, <laughs> I did. And it was fun. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I remember my defensive end coach speaking to us was, uh, first off, you need to observe two things. Is one, the, the foot position of whoever it was that was in front of you, because chances are if their foot was angled, play was going to go out, out, out to the outside. But if it was a little straight, uh, you know, then chances are it might come up the middle or it might be a pass. And so observe that. But the moment the ball was snapped, he told us, as soon as you have your person and they're not getting around you, focus your attention on the quarterback's eyes. Watch his eyes, because wherever his eyes are, more than likely, that's the trajectory of the ball. Where your eyes are focused is more than likely the trajectory in which you are going. It's more than likely the thing that you are focused on if you're just able to take a moment to self-reflect a little bit. When a storm comes, you can either face it full of fear or with Jesus, knowing Jesus, you can endure it with peace because you have chosen to stand on the truth that Jesus is always with you. If I could have the worship team come up. My second point, only two points today. I'm sorry if you like three points. <laughs> My second point today is Jesus equals peace. Jesus equals peace. The first point in today's message answers the question of what? The second is why. Why is Jesus our peace? There's peace in Jesus. Pastor Doug said it in a message a few weeks back when he mentioned a, a statement in scripture that Jesus mentioned that is a guaranteed promise. John 16, 33. 
the second part of it says, in the world you will have tribulation. And he also mentioned that that is probably a promise that you have not highlighted in your Bibles, nor would you want to. But Jesus promises, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. We will face storms in this life. They are inevitable. But the difference Jesus makes is our position when facing them because we can take heart. Take heart means to be encouraged, to be optimistic, even in the midst of our trials. Why? Because Jesus is the overcomer of the world. And if the overcomer of the world is in us and we are in him, therefore we can take heart. We can have peace. Why? Because Jesus is with us. He's with us always. So today we are able to take heart. We are able to be encouraged. We're able to be optimistic through any storm that comes our way because the one who has overcome the world promised that he would be with us to the very ends of the age. The Apostle Paul says it like this, and this is one of my, when, when, when I really discovered the context of this verse right here. Again, it was one of those things that stuck with me. And it stuck with me. I mean, I've, I have not been able to get over this for the last five, six years. That this, When this was revealed to me, the context of this, it just wrecked me. Paul says it like this in Philippians 4, a passage of scripture that we all know, and I'm sure I've said this at some point. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have re, uh, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for, uh, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secrets of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul wasn't saying any enemy that you may face, you know what, you can do all things. Any obstacle, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't saying God is going to give me the strength to endure my opponents in this basketball game that I have later or whatever it was. Paul was able to live satisfied with peace no matter what situation or circumstance he found himself. Why? Because he knew Jesus. Because he knew Jesus. Jesus was the perspective that Paul maintained at all times. That when, when Paul was facing a difficulty, he was able to have peace and hope because of Jesus. When Paul was in a situation where he had plenty and his physical needs were being met, he was still able to just rejoice and have peace and be humble. Why? Because of Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And in order for everyone in this room to have access to this peace that is found in Christ and in Christ alone, you have to know Him. To know, again, means to have relationship. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I ask the question, do you know Jesus? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? God is wisdom. 
Therefore, there's wisdom and perspective when you maintain Jesus in perspective.